Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and I'm here with Samuel Smith, the small business surgeon. Uh, Sam, I was on your show earlier, um, and we got to talking about some shared commonality about being entrepreneurs, being in recovery, and I'm really excited to have you on the show to hear more of your story. Man, it's, um, and- it's such a privilege to be here, Mark. Man, thank you. Thank you for, for having me. And I know we had such a good time on on, on my show. We really uh, really clicked over some stuff, man. So it's, it's a real privilege to be talking to you today, man. Thank you. Yeah, and it's really cool to give you the opportunity. We were talking before the show about you being on the other side of the microphone, right? Usually yeah. you're, the, you're the host and yeah. I get to be the guest. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit weird feeling. I've probably guested on maybe maybe 10 podcasts total, and I think I've recorded probably 700 now. Um, so it's, it's very strange to sit on this side of the, the microphone, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Man. I'm hoping I can pour into your audience and, and add a little bit of value to their lives today. 100%. Yeah, and I... I just like love what you do out there, you know, to give people a little um, context, the community you created of small business owners and the, the workshops and conferences and networking events you put on. It's really great. You know, and we talked on your show a lot about um, the loneliness that can come with this mm, and yeah. how important <laughs> it is to connect and have real conversations around the struggles of owning a business and just kind of being out there to the wolves sometimes. Um, yeah. And, yeah. I, I just love how you connect people and you help people find mentors um, and groups that can help them all strive and become better. It's, it's awesome. Well, man, that all came about from, you, you know, I, I, I had a some some amazing times in business. I had some really rough times in business. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I did what everybody else does that that is having a rough time. And I went and got a real estate license because um, I was having a rough time. And, you know, what should I do? I'll, I'll go sell real estate for a little bit. And this is, this was after, you know, after the alcoholism, it was after the collapse of my big company and stuff. And, um, in selling real estate, I started to put together groups so I could sell real estate within the groups. So I would build these networking groups and the networking groups, they had the nefarious intent of bringing everyone together and then making me the authority in real estate and then selling them real estate. And so my coach said, pick a topic that you're interested in and form a group around it. And, you know, it could have been golf. It could have been soccer. It could have been anything. And I just, I've been doing entrepreneurship since I was a teenager. I said, you know what? I want to, want to appeal to other entrepreneurs. And I built the group of entrepreneurs to sell them real estate. And it wasn't until <laughs> I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been an entrepreneur yeah. since I was a kid. Like, yeah. I, I think I started selling candy when I was 12, you know, bagging it up and taking it to school and stuff. You know, I, ne- I never did sell drugs. The profit margins in candy were just too high to, to ever mess with drugs. Um, but, you know, I've, I've always been an entrepreneur. And yet I never realized that I was the only one struggling. And I didn't realize it until I built this group to sell real estate to. And I, I said, I got an open calendar, come for coffee with me. Let's talk about your business uh, as a way to establish trust and build a friendship and, and, and build that referral base for my real estate company. I very, very quickly realized that after, you know, 
two weeks worth of coffees and I've met with 15 business owners and every single one of them struggling. Every single one of them. There's a, a, a maxed out credit card. There's a car note due. There's payroll due. There's, you know, my rent's going up and I don't know what to do. And I was like, wait a minute. You're telling me that everybody struggles with this? I played the game on hard mode. I thought I was an idiot for 20 years. You know, I thought everybody else has this figured out. And I never knew just how many entrepreneurs failed until I started listening to what they were telling me in private. Because not a single one of us will admit to failing in public. You know, yeah, and so that's when, that's when the small business surgeon came about. It, 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 when I saw how many people were suffering and struggling in entrepreneurship and struggling with problems I'd already solved, it just made perfect sense to instead of worry about money, I'm like, hey, why don't I just have as much impact as possible on this community of people that I've been a part of for you know twenty plus years? I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Maybe it's time now, at, at, and again, I was 40 at the time, but maybe it's time now at 40 years old to just turn around and, and start pulling up the people that are coming behind me, you know, because I'm going to be all right regardless. But how much impact can I have on everyone else that's suffering? And dude, that's where the whole thing was born. And it's just been a, it's, it's been a tremendously rewarding experience ever since I started doing it. Yeah, I really love that, right? I think it's like, it embodies the entrepreneurship spirit, right? Of like seeing a problem and wanting to fix it and a real compassionate heart, right? Of someone that's been there before and has struggled, you know, not just with the business stuff, but personally too. Well, it's awful. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a reason why such a small percentage of the population are entrepreneurs. And and there's a, you know, there's a bigger reason why even a smaller percentage of those guys uh, manage to succeed. And I think the key is knowing that you're not alone. We have every single one of us. I don't care how big your company is. I was talking to a guy uh, maybe three months ago, broke. All his credit cards were maxed out. And he was waiting on a contract. And he put all in all his eggs in one basket. And sure enough, like two weeks after, the contract funded. And he had $5 million cash back in his pocket. And off he went again. It doesn't matter like if it's a $1,000 deal or a, a $5 million deal. It, it seems as though every entrepreneur has the, has the bug. We all have the virus, and it doesn't matter how big it is. We always go all in on, on whatever it is we're doing, you know, and it's very lonely. And it's just realizing that you're not alone. And, and the minute I realized I wasn't alone, like everything just shifted for me, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. Right. I mean, I've connected through some of my professional organizations around this and just getting people talking. And it's, it is like you're saying, right? On the, on the face of things, we don't admit to weakness, but mm -hmm. in those back rooms or in the bars or in the, you know, restaurants, it's like, yeah, this sucks. This is lonely. It's like really hard. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes we feel like we're the only one that cares about the thing that we're doing, you know, because we yeah. are all in, right? Like it is a feast yeah. or famine, especially in the beginning where you're trying <laughs> to find your shaky legs, right? Like yeah. there is this, like, it's a lot of ballsy plays. You know, uh, it, and that that's just the nature of it, you know. And and now I I I mentor a little bit of restraint there. You know, you do the ballsy plays with X amount of your capital. You do the safe plays with Y amount of your capital. You do the savings account plays with Z amount of your capital. You know, but for years I just be like, what? There's a ballsy play, right? Let's go, and yeah. you just you jump jump well, all in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I I used to live by the old adage of, well, what could possibly go wrong? You know, and I, I was teaching that earlier today in a, in a video I put out um, about imposter syndrome. What could possibly go wrong? 
Like you don't have the thing you're trying to get, right? Let's say, for example, I really wanted you to be a guest on my podcast and I was afraid to ask you. You would never become a, a guest if I didn't reach out and take that leap and and ask you, well, I don't know, Mark, Mark's got a big show. Why would he want to talk to me? And I'm intimidated, right? Well, we go through that in business. We go through it with everything. And I think if people really understood just how alike we all were behind this screen, behind this mask, behind this public thing that we show to people, you only see what I want you to see. I only see the content you put out. Like we, we base our perceptions of people on a false reality. And when you realize we're all the same, we're all struggling. And like, dude, I put a hundred grand in the bank in a month and still go overdrawn. Like it doesn't matter. It's just the, the scale of the, the game you play. So if you're struggling at, 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 at two grand, like it's the same recipe at 200 grand. It's, it's, it's all percentages. And, and man, I just wish people knew how hard it was and that they're not alone in this like we all do the same things we all make the same mistakes human nature is human nature and there are ways to put that on the back burner and override human nature and program your subconscious and you can make it do exactly what you want you can do whatever you want but if you don't program it you're just going to repeat the patterns that human nature puts out there yeah 100 you know? there's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying <laughs> you know, and, and I think it's actually a good segue into your personal story, right? Because you're yeah. with addiction. And what's more human nature than addiction in a lot well, of ways, let's, right? Let's look at human nature and addiction then. Okay, so, you know, people think I'm some kind of savant because I can always tell them what's wrong. Um, but it's just pattern recognition. So what happens in most entrepreneur journeys is a kid will come out of school and he's hot and heavy, and he gets some kind of little business going, and he eventually ends up taking a job. And within the job, he takes sort of an entrepreneur role. He busts his ass, works his ass off, you know, but there's always the 35-year-old foreman and the 40-year-old business owner, and he doesn't have to worry about sales and stuff. He just has to worry, he has to worry about showing up, busting his ass, proving he can do it, getting a paycheck, making a man of himself, right? He's learning a trade. He's learning a skill set. And by the time you get to 24, 25, 26 years old, you, your feet are getting a little bit itchy. You know, your ego's getting a little bit big. You're like, I can do this. I, man, I'm, I'm the lead sheetrock guy on my sheetrock crew. I'm the lead mechanic here. I, I do this the best. I'm better than Terry. I'm better than Dave. I'm better than all these guys, right? Human nature. And so what happens is these kids, they step out and they start their own companies. And that's great, dude. That's great. I love it. That's what they're supposed to do. For any, guy, for any guy that thinks he's going to keep an employee for 20 plus years, mm -mm. your job is to train your employees to be the best versions of themselves possible and then help them to achieve their dreams. It's not to keep them in a cage at your company. Anyway, I digress. So you now you're 27, 28 years old. You're running your own company. You've stepped out. You're the best sheetrock guy there is. You've got a little bit of word of mouth stuff, but you can't really scale because you know it's, it's pretty difficult doing stuff on your own. You bring on a couple of guys. Now you've got a small business. Now you've got some headaches. You got some long hours. You got a few bills because you financed that truck and, you know, you financed the, 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 the jet skis or whatever it was because you're doing okay. And you're not really watching your money because it keeps coming in. And then you're going out to lunch and then you're going out to dinner and then you're picking up the tab for everybody because you're the man, you're the boss. Like you take your employees out where you're picking up the tab, you know, somebody picks you up at happy hour. Shit, I got to pick up the tab again and again and again. You're the man. You're the leader, right? And this is, 
you literally rubber stamp this onto so many um, entrepreneurs. And then what happens is life is good, right? Because they've made more money than they've ever making. It's not great because they don't have any systems. The money's good, but the stress is right there with the money. And what happens is the binge eating, the binge drinking, the tension on the relationships around you that matter. The business starts to struggle because you are eating your own rewards. You're eating the fruit of your labors, but you're not putting any aside. And in over-consuming those fruits, it's distracting you from sowing more seeds. And so we've got money. We've got credit now. So if I have a rough month, I could just run up the old credit card for a few grand. Don't worry about it. I'll make it up on the back end. But then we have two rough months. Then we have three rough months. So we start drinking a little bit more and then we take the drinks home, right? And this isn't just my story. This is every single entrepreneur that hits any level of success that doesn't have mentors and doesn't have people helping them to guide them. It's human nature that we want to show off. We want to spend the money we've made. We want to be the leader of the group. We want to be the man. We want to pick up the tabs so people respect us. We want the power that comes with money, but we don't have the control that comes with wisdom and experience. And so like my story is really quite similar to that. Um, and I did it a couple of times before I figured it out. I did it in my twenties and I did it again in my thirties with a, with a business and, you know, both times life's good, man, money's good. That means everything's good. And no, it doesn't, you know, I was, I was close to 300 pounds, about 285. Um, and I'm 6'4". I carried it. Well, I hit it. I wore baggy t-shirts, but you know, that heavy and the amount of alcohol I was consuming, you know, I would go to different liquor stores um, just so the, the the clerk wouldn't recognize me. You know, I was drinking a bottle every other day. And um, man, it's so easy to do. And it's so difficult to get out of. It's the easiest trap to fall into because you think the money will never stop. You think the business will keep producing. And as you pull money out of the business, right, you stop doing the things that you did that got you there in the first place. You stop working hard. You start taking the afternoons off. Well, now it's Wednesday afternoon and the the, the boss is in the bar at happy hour at two o'clock. And well, damn, the other sheetrock guys are having to work till five and your company starts to fray at the edges. You got to lead from the front as a boss and a businessman, as a manager. But you don't know that you're not leading from the front if you don't have anybody to teach you. Like, and, and so many people are scared to spend money on mentors and coaches and, and, and that. But it, since I started doing it about six years ago, spending money on coaching and mentors and getting in networks and getting around the right people, getting there. If you want to be great at something, like what's best? Figure it out by yourself. Or go and find the greatest guy you can at doing a thing you're trying to get great at and go pay him for his knowledge. And that's when I realized that, like I said, I've been playing the game on hard mode, you know, almost like on purpose because I I figured out, you know, I'm the man. I have the chip on my shoulder. Why would I pay somebody else? Why would I pay a coach? Why? And, you know, if I've been paying a coach in my 30s, chances are I wouldn't have listened to him anyway. Because I wasn't ready for the lessons yet. And in school, you get the lessons and then you take the test. And in life, 
you get the test, and then maybe if you're lucky, you'll get the lessons. And so when people say, I wish I could go back and do this, I wish I could go back and do that, 35-year-old Sam is not the same as, as today's Sam by any stretch. I would not want to be judged by him at all, just as I wouldn't want 50-year-old Sam to be judged by me today. I'm sure I will evolve immensely in the next eight years. But what you have to remember is that we're all human. We all make the same mistakes, and not a one of us is ready to listen until the pain of not listening is greater <laughs> than, the, than the pain of listening and the humility of admitting you're wrong and then the desire to take action. And it's just pain. You you just got to sit there until it hurts so much. You go, you know what? Maybe I am wrong on this. Maybe I do need to reach out to somebody that knows a little bit better than me. Maybe I do need to reach out to a coach or someone like that. And that's uh, that's kind of how it started for me. It was sitting there at rock bottom going, well, I guess that didn't work. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, it's been a... Been a, been a long path back, but the only things I did was correct to human nature. I just followed a playbook that every other entrepreneur follows, man. That's an incredible story. And I just like the way you tell it and the lessons in there. And it's true. It's true with my story too, right? Like I had to get beaten down to the ground mm-hmm. and smash my nose against a brick wall over and over again before I was ready to take advice, right? It's, yeah. it's like basic training. Yeah, it's basic training, but instead of what sixteen weeks, some some of us it takes sixteen years. But that's yeah, exactly. what it is. You break them down till they're broke, and then you got to build them from the ground up again. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think the importance of finding coaches and mentors and therapists is really critical. Um, we're going to move to our first commercial commercial break. When we come back, I want to hear about what that process was like for you, like what who your mentor was, and how you started to kind of build yourself back together, um, and what lessons you learned along the way. So absolutely. If you're a listener, hang in there. We'll see you on the other side of the commercial break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C, dash, azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, dot, teachable, dot com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You 
You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with the small business surgeon, Samuel Smith. And we're just talking about mentorship. But I think we're also talking about like growing up, you know, and becoming <laughs> a man and a lot of these like coming of age initiations, right? I yeah. Think, yeah. No um, doubt. Every man in some way has to go through it, has to hit their version of rock bottom. I mean, for some of us, it's substance abuse or addiction. For some of us, it's divorce. For some mm-hmm. of us, it's a physical injury, right? For some of us, it's business failure. Or some of us, the combination of all some those. Some of us is all those. It's all of them, yep. you know? Yep. But yep. there's always yeah. this like Icarus <laughs> moment, I think, in a man's life, right? Where you have to come crashing down. Um, right. So t- tell us about yours. What was your rock bottom like? Oh, man. You you had to go there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the Icarus moment, I like that. I think every man has, has crashed. Every man's got, got it wrong. I mean, you know, if you if you live inside your comfort zone and all you do is write all the time, then you, you'll never progress. You've got to get out there. You've got to take risks. You've got to push the envelope. Otherwise, what's the point, man? You know, so um, my story, dude, yeah, drinking. Drinking is what, what really did it. And um, back at the time in, in my mid-30s, I was running a very successful online supplement brand. And, you know, we had multiple weight loss supplements. And and the problem with my business model overall, and one of the things I've I've learned, a, a very hard lesson that was, now I'm selling weight loss supplements in America. And really, the, the that, that's very much like shooting fish in a barrel, because you will never run out, please excuse me, you will never run out of fat, gullible Americans to buy weight loss pills. I'm sorry. And that was my business model. And I exploited it and it was great, but it wasn't great for the people that were trying to lose weight. It wasn't great for the people that were trying to get results. The supplements worked. They absolutely worked. They were white labeled GNC supplements that we bought from the manufacturers. They absolutely worked. However, I could have done a lot better on the customer support side. I could have done a lot better with groups and building communities and actually helping people achieve results rather than just slinging more supplements at them and saying, well, if they don't take them or if they don't do the exercise, what's it my fault? Well, really, you know, it wasn't a business that was run with strong ethical values. It wasn't a business that was run with strong core values. And what ended up happening, we had thousands of customers on auto bill. And uh, we had some credit card fraud pushed through our network. And unfortunately, it collapsed the entire network. And I had used one supplement brand to underwrite another supplement brand um, quite unwisely. And the uh, the first supplement brand collapsed under the weight of underwriting the second one. And then there were the fines that went with it and everything else. And so it was a complete disaster. I'd gone from practically retired to almost homeless in just a couple of weeks. And during that time, like right in the middle of it, my little sister's wedding uh, had come up and, you know, already paid for the tickets. So we're going to go and alcoholic, stressed about business, overweight, flies to England. And, um, you know, at at this point, my uh, my ex-wife and I were separated, but like, we, you know, we we went all as a all as a family. It was a sister's wedding, you know, and um for the entirety of the two weeks, 
I did what any European does at a wedding and gets with the other guys and just drinks. And we all drank like all of us. And um, there's not a single picture of me from that trip without glassy eyes. That's pretty embarrassing. So about three months before all this happened, one of my best friends in the world lost his partner to alcoholism. And I was one of the guys that went to the apartment and helped to turn her over as she was having liver failure and her body was swollen and helped to clean her bed sores because she had ballooned from 140 to over 200 pounds. And I, I got to watch my friend's partner die a very slow and very painful death um, from liver failure and alcohol poisoning. And for the three years prior to that, I'd got to watch my buddy hide his money, hide her, hide her car keys, lock her in the house, drive to every liquor store with a picture saying, please don't sell this woman alcohol. And I watched her lose that battle. And so the culmination of me losing my company and three months earlier, my buddy losing his partner and being drunk for two weeks straight at a wedding with no real excuses for being drunk for that long. I come to leave and it's about 5.15 in the morning and we're loading up to get in the car to go to the airport. And at the time she was 63, my 63 year old mother, she, she stood on her tiptoes and she whispered in my ear when no one else could hear it. She whispered, sort your fucking life out. And that was, that was the catalyst. And it wasn't an immediate catalyst. Like you'd think it made me very, very angry. I, I drove away from there, like gripping the steering wheel. I was like, man, what the, what the fuck does she know? Sort my life out. I've got this. I'm, I mean, I can do it. And we get on the plane and it's about 10 30 or 11 o'clock in the morning in England, whatever it is at that time. I sit down and it's like, yeah, let me get a double Jack and Coke. And she comes back with it and then the little bottles. And I was like, you know what? I, I'll just, I'll just take the Coke. In fact, you have a diet Coke. I could probably live without the sugar too. And that was it. That was it. That was me rejecting that drink. And I, I flew back to Texas and went about my business and got back to my crappy little apartment that, that I'd managed to, uh, to find a spot in. And, um, there was nothing to drink and I was tired. And I'm like, you know what? I just won't have a drink today. And the next day I woke up and it was the first day in however many weeks it had been, I'd woken up without a hangover. Like, cause I'm drinking every day, every night, all the time. It was the first time I woke up without a hangover. I was like, man, what is this feeling? And so I didn't have any alcohol at home. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I could just, maybe I just not have a drink today. Because you got, you have to understand how culturally ingrained this was in me. I think I've been drunk every single weekend, every weekend without fail since I was 17 years old. Like going out drinking with your mates, going out after work drinking, going out playing cricket, and then drinking on the cricket field, and then drinking after you were done with cricket. Like it's a cultural ingrained so deeply in there. How do you stop it? And I couldn't stop it. I'd never had the motivation to stop it i'd never had enough pain in my life to take enough action to stop this and then the third day came and i thought wow i wonder if i could go without having a drink today and then that's when the withdrawal symptoms started mm, it might have been day three day four something like that and it was awful it was yeah. i would not wish that shit on anyone and the number of times going through that i was like fuck it i'm just going to go get a drink make this and 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 the fact that there was some little voice in my head saying, you know what, if you go get a drink now, 
the next time you stop drinking, you'll have to do this again. So why not just do this now and let's get it, get it over with. And so there was multiple days of that. It was horrible. Um, and I just got through it by saying, you know what, I'm not gonna have a drink today. And uh, I kept myself busy. Uh, I went out on walks. I did a lot of walking. Um, there's, there's a park nearby. I must have lapped that park a thousand freaking times that year. Just, just round and round and round and round, just walking. Um, trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do in my life. I mean, I just lost a multi million dollar company. Um, you know, I've lost a marriage. I've lost my house. Uh, you know, not lost, but given up. Like I'm, I'm done. Like, so the only thing I could think of was, you know what? I'm not going to have a drink today because I'm not going to solve this problem by crawling back to the bottom of this bottle and getting drunk again, because crawling to the bottom of the bottle to solve the problems was what made the problems worse. And so that began a very long, I won't have a drink today sequence. And it's been, it'll be six years next month. And, um, you know, I always said I wouldn't drink until I had something to celebrate. And the occasion came for me to celebrate and I had a drink and I was very violently sick, like allergic to it. Um, and it was shocking. Now at that point I hadn't drunk in maybe four years or so. And it was, it was a drink. It was a drink. It was one. And I was laid in bed, shaking and shivering and sweating. Like I got alcohol poisoning. And that really kind of just finalized it for me. I don't miss it now. Um, I still have friends that drink. I still go to the bar maybe once, maybe twice a week. I'll pop by just to see what's going on. Um, but like when it first started out, you know, and you got all your mates around the table taking shots and going, oh, Sam's not drinking yet. They would bring me like tiny little shots of Diet Coke so I could cheers with them and still be a part of their, their, their little thing. And they supported it. And now I've got several friends from that same friend group that had, you know, been, we met at the pub. Like I've got several friends now. Uh, one texted me the other day. Um, she is 10 years sober from that friend group now. But there was a catalyst with with her as well. You know, her, her cousin, unfortunately, was in, involved in a, a DUI uh, accident. And um, I think the, the key is to, to stop in drinking. I don't know that it has anything to do with any kind of program whatsoever. I think it all has to do with whether the drinker is feeling enough pain that they are motivated to take action to solve that. And if they're not, there's nothing any program can do. If if you don't want sobriety, if you don't need sobriety, if you're not committed to it, knowing that a step backwards is a step back into that dark shit that you've been suffering through. The only reason I, I, I stopped was because I didn't want to go back. You know what it feels like as a fucking grown man to have your mom, hey, sort your fucking life. You know what that feels like? You know what it feels like to watch your best mate's wife die from alcohol poisoning, like slowly. I'm like, you know what? This just isn't for me. And you look around in the bar and you see the 50-year-old guy at the bar and you see the 60-year-old guy at the bar and you look and you're like, is this my fucking future? Is this where I'm going? And no, like I'm better than that. I, I don't want that for myself. And so, man, people think there's some weird trick to getting sober, but 
for me, it was the the pain of being drunk that did it. It was one day at a time. Do you want to go back to being in pain or do you want to keep walking forward and, and, and moving forward and trying to fix this? And I chose the latter, thankfully. Thankfully, yeah. But I have no doubt, like, I'd, I'd be done by now. I'd, I'd be obese and dead of, of heart failure yeah. by now if, if I hadn't taken care of it. Like, with six more years of drinking and eating shitty food and being obese, and I would have just gained more weight. And, no, um, it, it was a choice. Like, you, you see old people, right? And you see fat people, but you don't see many old fat people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was that. Do you want to be around for your kids or not? What are you going to do? And, and when you made it black and white like that, it was like, right. And we got to get on, don't we? We've got to put this bottle down. We've got to pick our shit up. We've got to get our shit together and we've got to move forward. And so <laughs> that's what happened. And that's where mentorship came from. That's where, that's where mentors appeared, you know? Yeah. But what I'm hearing is it's like you chose life, right? You chose your future. And I think, I know you say it's one step at a time. And I 100% agree. And that moment, right? That moment of like, okay, I opened the box. I see how shitty this is do I want to go back in the box or do I want to start climbing out? Right. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I don't know if there's an answer to this. I'm just curious your thoughts. Like some, a lot of people go back in the box, right? A lot of people are like, shit, I'm going to put the blinders back on. I'm going to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I'm also sober, right? Like, like, I don't know what that answer is, but it's, you know why they go back in the box. What's your reason? Yeah. What do you think? The box is warm. And it's yeah. safe and it's safe. And there's a little blanket inside it and they can shut the lid of the box and leave them alone. And that the thing they find in that box will take away the pain temporarily. It is the epitome of their comfort zone. And for them to step outside of that is probably the most uncomfortable thing they've ever done. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if anybody's coined this yet, but you know, I was just walking around having random thoughts earlier. And I said, the key to it is living inside your discomfort zone Mm -hmm. it's getting your foot out of your comfort zone doing all that uncomfortable stuff and then yeah maybe at the end of the day you can sit on the couch and be comfortable but that discomfort is what's going to move you forward the doing things that aren't necessarily your everyday things doing things that don't feel right or natural or good like so many people like oh i want to i want to you know, start a business or, or be on, you know, be an influencer or, you know, nobody's watching my content. Well, you know, how many videos have you made? How consistent have you been? How many times did you step into that discomfort and march on through it, knowing that it was going to suck? Like, you know, I do Facebook lives most days now. I still don't like going live on Facebook. I still wonder about people judging me, what they're going to think of what I do for a living, you know, because I don't have a job. Like what I do is completely like outside the box and outside the comfort zone of of 99% of people that that I know and the judgment that comes and the fear of judgment and the fear of the imposter syndrome. Like I know professional bodybuilders that are magazine models that have imposter syndrome because they don't think they're good enough. You know, guys that drive Lamborghinis that don't want to talk about it because they don't want to be judged by other people. Like, I know these guys personally. Like, the the amount of mental challenges that you've got to step up and do in order to get where you want to go. Like, who wouldn't crawl back in the box with the alcohol? Come on, man. It's comfortable. There's a blanket. 
There's Netflix and chill in there. There's probably some pizza at the bottom if you look hard enough. Who the hell wouldn't want to live in that box? Pizza, blankets, couches, Netflix. Sounds good to me, right? And that's why it's so easy to pick up the drink again and slide back into that box is because it's so comfortable. And the only thing that moved me out of that comfort zone was the pain. It was the pain of the disappointment in my mother's voice. It was the pain of watching Mel pass away. It was the pain of looking at what, what was left of the, 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 the relationship, the marriage, the business, the, the how, all of it. I wanted to go back inside the box. But the pain of living in that box was greater than the discomfort of stepping outside of it. And that's all it took. But all is a very, very big word in that situation. Yeah. You know? Right. Like the pain inspired you to choose discomfort. <laughs> I could say it forced me to choose discomfort because yeah. the pain, the discomfort wasn't as painful as the pain. Mm-hmm. Right. So what, what hurts more light pain or discomfort, <laughs> discomfort, what hurts more heavy pain? Uh, I'm going to take the discomfort. And it was the weight of the pain from being in the box that drove me to take the discomfort instead of the pain. But if that pain is just a little pinprick, and the rest of the time the box is comfortable, well, shit, I'll take a little pinprick to slide back in my comfortable box. It's just a pinprick, right? But somebody's going to chop your arm off. You'll be like, whoa, 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 let me out of this box. Yeah. See the difference? Yeah, Netflix like, isn't that good. It's, it's not worth losing it's, your arm for. Right? It's the weight of the pain. I know, HBO Max maybe, but definitely not Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move to our final commercial break. When we get back, we'll talk directly to you, the listener, and talk about, you know, how you choose discomfort, how you move forward, how you keep going, right? To stretch yourself, right? And to build strength over time, right? Um, Those of you who are listening, hang on in there and we'll see you on the other side of the break. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, .teachable.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You 
listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to the show. In this final segment, we talk directly to you, the listener. And a theme that's been emerging, Sam, which I love, is choosing discomfort, right? And choosing Mm. to feel it, choosing to put yourself in situations that are going to bring discomfort, choosing to kind of push those limits and and to grow, whether it be in business or personal or fitness or diet or or, or any of that, relationships, right? Like it's something special to have that skill to choose discomfort. Amen. Yeah. I mean, and that's ultimately what causes the growth is pushing yourself outside of those comfortable walls that, that you call home. Have you ever seen like a, a, a yucca plant, one of those indoor trees, they, their roots bind to the pot and they get, they get, they mold, the plant grows to the shape of the pot it's in. And yet if you dig it out of that pot and put it outside, it'll grow tens of feet higher with huge branches and leaves and everything. But in the pot, it only grows to the size of the pot. And I think that's what, um, a lot of us do. We 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 get to a, a place where we're comfortable. We grow into that comfortable spot, and that's when we stop. We're contributing to our four hundred one k. We're comfortable. We got the house payment down. We got everything going, and that's it. That's where we get to, and and that's okay if that's where you want to go. But then now comes starting the business and and trying to branch out, trying to make more money and everything else, and everything there comes from getting uncomfortable, and. I think the biggest problem a lot of folks make is failing to dream and failing to dare and failing to say, what if, what if I was uncomfortable, you know, what if I was uncomfortable for the next year and every single day I ate the things I knew I was supposed to eat and every single day I went for a walk and every single day I read a book and every single day I listened to an episode of Mark's podcast. And every single day I did the things that I knew would make me successful. Like, and yet that in itself, nobody's ever, they they don't take the time to plan where they want to go. They want to pay their bills and they want to feed their kids and they want to have some time off, but they don't ever take the time to plan it. And so if you don't have goals, how can you get closer to your goals? And If you don't have dreams, how can you set goals? So failure to dream and failure to set goals and failure to say, you know what, if I did step outside of my comfort zone, here's what I could achieve. I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. I didn't understand the power of manifestation, the power of the mind and the power of dreaming until I actually started to do it. Now, a a goal without actions is just a dream. Like you have to write down the actions to get there. But once you write down a dream, like, you know, I've got all kinds of goals, but when I read one out loud, what, one of my goals is to is to clear $250,000 a month, which sounds like a lot, but I've done it before, right? And I know the steps to get to $250,000 a month. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But $250,000 a month is $10,000 a day for 25 days. Okay. So can I find 25 people and sell them a $10,000 product? Find one every day? Hmm. That'd do it, wouldn't it? But what if, what if instead of that, I found 50 people 
I sold my $5,000 product. That might be pretty achievable, mightn't it? But that's quite a lot of money still. But what if I had a product I could sell to 250 people and it was $1,000? Hmm. You think I could build out a system that found 250 clients a month at $1,000 a ticket? Bet I could. Well, how would I do that? I don't know. Let me go on YouTube. Let me go on Google. I mean, I know. I'm just not going to tell you all today. But like, let me go look it up. Let me go, <laughs> let me go find out. Invest in myself. Right? Yeah. right? So essentially, we find a product that we can sell. And it, it breaks all the way down to $10, dude. If, if you find a product that you, your, your cost is $10 on and you're selling it for 20 and basic math, you know, $10 profit, right? Well, I've only got to find, what, 25,000 people to buy that to make 250 grand a month. 25,000 people sounds like a lot, but is it really? It's 1,000 people a day to spend 20 bucks. Now, with the power of the internet, the power of Facebook marketing, and do you think the guy that was selling fidget spinners for 20 bucks was making 10 bucks a spinner? Do you think he was selling 25,000 of them in a month? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not that hard. It's, it's harder to make $10 on the internet than it is to make $100. It's to make $1,000. Because to make the $10, you got to build the systems. you got to build the infrastructure, yeah. the landing pages, the traffic. The, like, it's harder to make the first 10 than it is to make 10,000. Like, and that's how you've got to kind of go about that is breaking it into manageable chunks where you take your goals. You say, how do I break this down and make it achievable? And I think far too many of us miss that. And I think like, you know, I love what you're saying from the coaching perspective. I add a little bit from the third perspective is I think it's also that self-love and quite frankly, self-respect to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you said, to like invest in yourself, to learn something, to be like, yes, I can do it. Right. You know, I, I but, deserve this. I want this. I'm worthy of fighting. If I never said, right, if I said, I, I'm so happy and grateful now I'm making 10 grand a month, right, I'd be selling myself short mm -hmm. because that, that, that's a, it sounds like a lot. And, and yes, I, I don't want to be $10,000 a month is a, a wonderful standard of living in any area of the world, man. It's with the exception of, you know, San Francisco, New York or whatever, but 10, 10 grand a month is a, is a great standard of living for 99% of people. And yet, like, it just feels like that's too easy to go and do. I'd much rather challenge myself. And so now with, with writing $250,000 a month on there, even though I'm not making that, what it does is it narrows my focus to opportunities that only will allow me to make that or more. And if the opportunity is not there, let's say it's a consulting deal and somebody wants me to come in and, and, and do a consulting deal for, for a few thousand dollars, I might look at that and go, you know what? I would love to. However, my time is focused on where I'm trying to go and it doesn't fit with what I'm trying to do. Whereas a lot of people would take that deal and they get distracted from their goal and then they come back that month and they go, well, I didn't achieve my goals. And so I use an I am statement. Uh, it's very powerful. I use it every single day. Um, and again, reading it out loud, it makes you sound like an imposter because there's things on there that like you haven't achieved yet. But my I am statement it's got on it. I am now a world-class businessman, consultant, and public speaker impacting other entrepreneurs, right? Well, any chance I get to impact an entrepreneur, I take it. Like it's my, I am statements, what I do. I'm, am I a world-class businessman? Maybe, maybe not, maybe not yet. Maybe I've got that potential, but it stops me messing around with $20,000 Amazon affiliate stores. It, you know, 
Like it sets, uh, it sets a precedent in my head. It says I own 20 rental doors and three commercial buildings, all cash flowing assets. I don't. But because I read that statement over and over, I've got rid of over $20,000 a month in liabilities so that I can start stacking money up to put into commercial real estate. Again, from getting uncomfortable, from writing out the things I want, from setting goals, and from, from getting outside of my, my comfort zone and going and getting them. And everybody can do it, dude. I'm, I'm not special. I'm just a little bit slower than everybody else, and I refuse to quit. I mean, that's pretty much where it's, where it's ended up now. I mean, what's my other options, you know? Yeah, and I love the I am statement, right? Because it creates a filter, like you said, for opportunities mm-hmm. and for choices. And yes. having just that filter is critical, especially when you've overcome some of the early entrepreneur stuff, right? Where you're just trying to scrape, scrape and scrounge and make mm-hmm. what you can. And then you get some measure of success. And now it's like, okay, like you said, what do I actually focus on? Where does my time and energy go mm-hmm. to get me towards my goals? The biggest thing about the I am statement, dude, I encourage everybody to to, to do one. And um, I've talked about it so much the last few days. I'm actually going to put a video breakdown um, into my Facebook group here in the next day or so uh, explaining how to write one. So if anybody wants some help with that, that, I'll put that up there. But the most powerful thing about the I am statement, uh, I have one uh, line in there that says, you know, I, I'm an amazing father dedicated to spending engaged quality time with my boys. And, you know, most people, when they write an I am statement, it's like, I am an amazing father, but there's no hook there to make them accountable. And what it does is if I'm with my boys and I'm not engaging with them, and it's not quality time. It puts me out of alignment with my I am statement. So I'm either lying or my statement's lying. So which is it? Well, I guess I better put that uh, I better put that phone down, stop doing that, and go and be engaged and spend quality time with my boys because that's what the statement says, and that's who I am. And if that's who I want to be, I have to live by that statement. It's the most powerful self-help tool I've I've come across. I've been this piece of paper has been rewritten probably 15 or 20 times and has lived in my back pocket for the last 18 months, right? It's <laughs> it's coming. Everything on the list is getting checked off. And no, you know, I don't make $250,000 a month right now. I've been uh, I've been paying off a lot of stuff and I've been saving up to, to buy commercial real estate, um, but I will. And the date on my I am statement is December 31st, 2023. So guess what's going to happen over the next six months? I'm going to be the best father. I'm going to be the best businessman. Yeah, you know, it's on my list. Like it's it's just the best thing I've. Dude, I wish I could give this lesson to everybody. It's 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 get uncomfortable. It's really figure out what you want out of life, and then write down who you are, who the best version of you is, exactly who the best version of you is. And once you know who the best version of you is. And you take it from your mind and you run it through a pen and you add it to paper and then you speak those words into existence, your words become your reality. And I I don't understand how it works. It's probably got something to do with God and energy and quantum physics, and I have no clue. But I do know that your words become your reality and the things you focus on become your reality. And if your words cause you to focus on the right things, then you can design whatever reality you want. Like, dude, there's a, yeah, I've been through some ups and downs. I've made millions of dollars and I've lost a lot of dollars and I've, I've got a lot back. Um, But man, the teenager in me would not believe the life I live right now 
because of the manifestation and the work and writing it down and calling it into existence. I mean, you know, I manifested my current, my partner, like I've manifested my, my job. Like I, I only do things that I want to do. Like it's, it, it's incredible. And it's all come from stepping outside the box, getting out of my comfort zone and really committing to get uncomfortable doing the things I know I should be doing any day. Like what I want to take a minute, Mark, and ask your audience, guys, if you're listening, I want to ask you guys what your life would look like, like 90 days from now. If you took a minute or several minutes and you decided who you were right down to your core, because if you can decide that, if you can be disciplined and focused on that for the next 90 days, right? Number one, what if you fail? So what? Every single thing you did during those 90 days to move you closer to where you wanted to go got you closer than you're at now. So you cannot fail at this. There's no failure. Everything you try is a win. Even if you just check one box, it's more than anyone did. So we all cut corners. We all put off stuff till tomorrow. Everybody does it. You procrastinate about this stuff. You're nice and comfortable. But what would your life look like, right? If for 90 days, right, you ate the things you knew you were supposed to eat. You exercised as you knew you were supposed to exercise. You took the relationships that you had seriously and you leaned into the people around you and supported them. You took your savings account seriously and started slicing a little bit off each paycheck into those savings. What would your life look like 90 days from now if you did the things that you've been avoiding? If you stepped outside your comfort zone and you did the hard work that you've been procrastinating about, that you've been pushing off, if you could commit to that every day for 90 days, do you think that you would be further along than you are now? Do you think you would be better off than you are now? Do you think you would be in better shape than you are now? Do you think you would have better relationships with those around you? Do you think you'd have a better sex life with your partner? Come on, dude. 90 days. Like, what do you think? What are you waiting for? What's holding you up? What's stopping you? That's, that's all I do, dude. <laughs> 90 days at a time. I work on my goals. I focus. And then I take a minute and I breathe. And then we go do it all over again. And there is not a single way you can lose. You just keep going and keep going and keep going. And every single day you get 1% better and 1% closer towards everything you're trying to achieve. That's great. I, I think it's an incredible challenge. And guys, listen to that. Try it and let them know. Yeah, uh, you should do it. Like, do it for real. Yeah, <laughs> just do, do <laughs> like, it's, it's, it works. Like, I don't know how to yell it any louder. <laughs> Like, you have to wrap up here, but Sam, of course, where can yeah. people find you if they want to learn more about you. You can find you me anywhere on social media at Small Business Surgeon. Although I do have a Facebook group that you can go join, and uh, I post a lot of content in there about what I do and how I do it. And that's just at followsam.live. You can go there and join the Facebook group. Fantastic. Well, thank you for so much for being on the show. I'm sure I'll definitely have you back in the future. Mark, it's been wonderful, dude. Thank you so much for, for letting me pour into your audience and tell my story, man. I really appreciate you, sir. Thank you. It's awesome. And thanks for listening. I'll see you next week, another episode of From the Ashes.
Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet Triumph and Defeat and treat those two imposters the same. <laughs>